Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. The title of this morning's message is Don't Be Depressed. Don't Be Depressed. 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to we're going to get into uh, chapter 19 eventually, but I think this uh, 18 will set the context uh, for what we're going to talk about this morning. And we're going to read several scriptures, so have your Bibles ready. In 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elisha in the third year, saying, Go show thyself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elisha went to show himself to Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. So uh, the prophet Elijah had uh, prayed and God had shut off the rain and because of that there was a huge uh, famine in this, uh, in this land and the reason being is because uh, Ahab and Jezebel had been following the, the prophets of Baal and been uh, turned uh, from hearing the one true God. Uh, verse 17 in the Bible says, And it came to pass that when Ahab saw Elijah... And Ahab said unto him, this is the king of Israel, art, art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he said, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather me to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, 450 and the prophets of the grove, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long will you halt, uh, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow Him. And if Baal, then follow Him. And the people answered him, Not a word. Then said Elisha unto the people, I, even I only, remain the prophet of the Lord. And Baal's prophets are 450 men. And so Elijah begins to set up this uh, competition between God and, and Baal. Uh, and uh, verse 25, pick it up with me in verse 25. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves and dress it first for ye are many and call on the name of your gods. But put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it and called the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any answer. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Neither is he uh, talking or is he pursuing or is he on a journey or peradventure he sleepeth? He must be awake, you know? I mean, can you, can you see this uh, Elijah picking on these guys? And uh, they cried aloud and cut themselves after that manner with knives and lancets until the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass that midday was past that they 
prophesied until the time of the offering, evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice nor answer, nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he prepared an altar for the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob, whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar as great as uh, would contain two measures of seed. He put wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid them in the wood and said, Fill four barrels of water and pour it in the burnt sacrifice on the wood. And he said, Do it a second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, Do it a third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran about the altar and filled the trench. Uh, with also with water. It came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God, be known this day that thou art God in Israel. I, I find that interesting. Uh, isn't that what, remember, we highlighted about 60 times in Ezekiel? You know, show us, show us that you are God and that I am the servant and that thou hast done all these things to thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. I mean, he wants, you know what Elijah wants? He wants his people to know God like he knew God. He wanted the king, he wanted his king to follow God. He wanted his queen to follow God, Jezebel. He wanted his people uh, to follow God. And the fire, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stone and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench, just pulled it all up. And when the people saw it, they fell on their face and they said, The Lord, He is the God. And the Lord, and the Lord, He is the God. And Elisha said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And he took them. And Elisha brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Wow. When you start looking at this prophet Elisha, I would say that you, it would be safe to say to call him a champion of truth. A champion of truth. His courage to rise up against these 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of the grove that ate at Jezebel's table. Um, I would say that he denounced false religion in a big way. Would you agree with that? I mean, he did it in a big way. He was a powerful preacher and that he stood up in front of his people and said, uh, choose you this day. You know, choose. Which side are you going to be on? Is it God or is it Baal? Follow God. I challenge you. I ask of you to follow God. Uh, this man stopped the rain for three and a half years with his prayer to God. Uh, would you agree with me that in this uh, prophet Elijah that uh, on Mount Carmel, this victory that he had on Mar Mount Carmel, that this would be considered a mountaintop experience in your Christian life. I mean, if you had this kind of a competition and saw the mighty hand of God in such a way, uh, you see his ministry, his confidence in the Lord. He had power. But there's a little verse in James that uh, gives some perspective on Elijah. It says this in James 5, 7, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. Uh, he, is, he has the same issues that we have. When you think of passions, an impression or effect of an external agent. In other words, uh, Elijah wasn't as uh, um, immune 
to the outward pressures of this world as you might think by just reading this one chapter. In other words, uh, he was susceptible of some impressions from external agents. He had some feelings that came into his mind and into his heart. Although you read this chapter and you see he was mightily used of God, uh, I would say that the Bible shows us and tells us that Elisha was a common person and that he had emotions. He had emotions like we had emotions. He had weaknesses like we have weaknesses. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. You know, sometimes we think the things that we face in our lives, the things that we go through in our lives, that we're, it's special to us, that we're the only ones dealing with it, that we're the only ones that have these problems. But, it, but the rest of that verse is pretty helpful, where it says, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear. When you look at Elisha and read this chapter of Elisha here uh, uh, in chapter 18, he doesn't look all that shaky. I mean, he looks pretty solid standing there up against the king of Israel and all of his prophets. Um, But if you continue to read, it's interesting how things begin to change in Elisha's life and they change kind of quickly. Look with me now in verse 1 of chapter 19. This is after the great victory. This is after this great uh, accomplishment that was happened for God, for Jehovah. And verse 1 of chapter 19, the Bible says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. (laughs) Now, I know none of us guys are afraid of telling our wives something that uh, is hard to say. But Ahab was married to Jezebel. And I don't know if you could imagine how this conversation went. But the Bible says that Ahab told Jezebel what Elijah had done and that he had killed all her prophets. And she was not happy about this. I mean, this this could have easily turned around on Ahab quick. I mean, because Ahab was standing there when Elisha did this. The Bible tells us in chapter 18 that these prophets were kind of, and I hate to say it like this, but these prophets were kind of like her pets, if you will. They, she took care of them. She fed them. She, she had them. They were hers. And now Elijah had come in, and had killed them all, had defeated them all, had destroyed them all, and uh, Ahab had to go home and tell Jezebel, hey, uh, you'll never believe what happened today. Elisha showed up. I'm glad we have rain. I'm glad the famine's over, but as for your 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of the grove, they're all gone. No more. Instead of her getting mad at her husband Ahab, she sends all of her anger toward Elijah the prophet. Verse 2, Then Jezebel sent messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. 
and came to Beersheba, which belongeth unto Judah, and left his servant there. You know, I find this interesting when I read this, uh, how he just stood up against 850. He stood there in front of the king of Israel and, and saw the mighty hand of God work. And Jezebel, one lady, one woman, sends word. I find it interesting when I read this. It says in verse 3, and when he saw that, I thought, saw what? All she did was set word. I mean, she didn't send the army. She just sent some messengers and said, I'm going to get you, right? Uh, Sometimes we begin to fall into fear. We begin to fall into trouble when we start seeing things how we shouldn't see them. When we start uh, imagining things that aren't actually there. She said she was going to do something. But I mean, after she, he just saw what God had done, you would think, you would think that he'd be like, bring it. You know, I mean, let's have another competition. Let's have another. We just had one competition. Let's have another one to see if God is true. But he doesn't. He has a whole different reaction. He goes into uh, hiding. He becomes scared. He becomes fearful immediately just from her words. Look at verse 4. He takes off on a journey. And he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested. He requested for himself. This isn't funny. But he requested for himself that he might die. And said, it is enough now. Oh Lord, take away my life. For I am not better than my fathers. I just find this interesting. Here he is. He has this great victory, great move of God in his life. The queen sends a, you know, she sends just word that she's going to get him. And he, he goes down and he becomes suicidal. I mean, now his prayer to God is not, uh, you know, God deliver us, God help us. It's now it's, God, I want to die. That's what he asked twice. Lord, take my life. I mean, it's interesting. I read that. I mean, you can tell Elijah's going through some strange emotions here because he wants to die, but he doesn't. Right? I mean, if he wanted to die, he'd have just stayed there, right? He wouldn't have ran into the wilderness hiding from her. He says, you know, I, I want to die, but I also don't want Jezebel to get the satisfaction of being the one to be able to do it, right? So he's running for his life, but yet he's praying that he... He's done. You know what he says here? I've had enough. Like, this is it. I've had enough. Isn't that what he says? He says, it is enough now. Have you ever been there? Or you're like, okay, I've had it. That's enough. Now, I'm, I quit. Right? I'm overwhelmed. It's too much. I've had enough. Uh, I'm done. It's over. You know, I, I've had it to here. Have you ever done this? I have had it to, you know, you just said it's over. I'm going to withdraw. I'm going to allow everything to close in. Um, I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. I can't do anybody any good. I'm done, right? I'm finished. He says, I'm no better than my fathers. You know what he's saying? I failed. I, try, I thought, man, I thought if God would work through me and God would work in me, that I could go in there and I could change the heart of Israel that I could, I could make a difference. I mean, Elijah thought, my goodness, I, I can do something here. 
uh, yeah, all the fathers before me, all the prophets before me, all those that tried before, they didn't have the gift that God gave me. I can preach. I can show this great thing. And man, the heart of the king will change. The heart of the queen will change. All the people of Israel will, will follow after God. But God gives us great victory and nothing changed. The queen wants to kill him. Ahab still is not making any decisions for the Lord. The people of Israel still aren't sold out to God. And Elijah's thinking, I mean, I failed. Even though there was a great victory in this one moment, my overall life that I had given my life to, to, to serve God, I've given my life to see God work and see the power of God. I've given my life to see Israel. And he's saying, you know what? Israel's no better off because I'm a prophet. I mean, God sent me as a prophet, but Israel's not better off. They just went through three years of famine. They just went through all this. They saw this great competition of God, and nobody's changing their heart. Their life's not changing. Uh, Elijah's sitting there saying, I'm not making a difference. That's what he's saying. I'm no better. I, I haven't made a difference. My life isn't making any difference. I've given my life for this cause, but it's not helping. Have you ever felt like this? That you've given yourself to something, you've given your heart to something. By the way, do you know the, the reason why Elijah was so so emotional about this? Let me tell you why Elijah was so emotional about this. Is because he cared. It's because he cared. You know, if you don't care, it doesn't matter. People they, they do what they want. This you know, but because he had his heart and soul in this, I mean, he really cared. He really thought that God was going to do something different. He thought that when these prophets of Baal were destroyed, that now everything, that Israel is going to go through a great revival and things were going to be different. He said, I really care. I mean, I put my heart and soul into this. This is what my life was about. You ever felt like that? Maybe preaching the gospel or giving the gospel away and, and you think, you know what? I've been preaching the gospel. I've been putting my heart and soul into this and... I don't know. I don't think the gospel's going forward. I think we've taken steps back. I don't know that anything's working out here. Uh, he was depressed. I'm just trying to say here, don't be depressed. That's the name of the message. Uh, but Elisha here was depressed. I mean, he's sitting there thinking, I just want to die. I want to quit. I'm not making a difference. I can't do this any longer. Verse 5. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he took, and behold, there was a cake baking in the coals and a cruise of water at the head, and he did eat and drink and lay him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. You know what I see here is Elisha's depressed and Elijah's down and out and Elijah's in darkness. It's, the Lord cares. Amen. The Lord cares. He sees Elisha in this place and he knows Elijah's heart. And you know what he does? He sends a ministering spirit, his angel. He says, Go and uh, go and feed Elijah. Go and help him. Uh, you know what Elisha needs? He needs a little sleep. That's what he does here. He sleeps. He says he needs to feed. He needs to eat. Uh, by the way, we need to eat spiritually or we'll get, we'll get uh, dried, dried out. He says, you know what else he needs to do? Elisha needs to get away. Elijah needs to get away. Now, he's going to send him off to Horeb. Uh, 
And he says he needs to eat. He needs to, he needs to get away from some of the pressure, some of the people, um, some of the things that are going on. Do you know even God's people? God's people have emotions. God's people. You know, sometimes we as Christians put on this face like we don't ever have any problems and we don't ever have any difficulties. Um, but God's people sometimes go through some pretty dark things. God's people go through some depression at times. God's Holy Spirit, don't misunderstand. The power of God can raise us up. Uh, here's what's the miracle. Is that some, sometimes we go through dark times. We go through the valley of the shadow of death. We go through depression. We go, here's the miracle. That God will continue to use us and uses us despite of that and strengthens us. And then what he does many times, what I've seen, is he'll use that thing that you go through and he'll turn it around and use you to be a blessing to other people. I'm telling you, some folks that struggle with hardships like depression sometimes are the greatest help to other people uh, when they've been through that. I'm not preaching this message because I'm depressed at this moment. I'm just telling you that right now. I am not depressed. At this moment, God is is blessing. We are going fine. Everything's good. But can I tell you this? I have. And when it hit me, it was a strange thing. Um, And so I think it's real. Uh, It's real. It's a real thing where you can go through a big-time discouragement, a hardship, a hard time, dark days. But the Lord can give victory. Sometimes we have the wrong idea, though. We think that our happiness or our joy is going to come through the victory. Like, we always think that there's a destination. Like, if the prophets of Baal are destroyed, then I'll be happy. Right? But it's not that, always. It's in the presence of God that we get our joy. It's in fellowship with Him. It's really not going to come from the successes that we think will bring us happiness or will bring us joy. It's going to be in a close walk and a relationship with Him. Again, this for me is not a typical message, um, talking about uh, our feelings. Honestly, me personally, I'm not one that I, I try not to feel my feelings. I am trying to press on. I do have, you know, I do, like I said, I have gone through things, but typically I'll try to be like the, what I just preached against and I'll try to hide it. And I'll just go on and say, this too shall pass, okay? I know that something's going to come back. It's going to get better a different time. But I'll tell you what I have, the Lord has shown me recently and over the last few years is that, that uh, this is important. And this is things that people go through. And God uses this in people's lives. Not necessarily God puts it on people, but God uses it in people's lives. And actually, some of the things that I have said in the past um, many years ago while preaching, I'm a little bit embarrassed that I have said. I remember uh, I used to think, because I was always like a charge forward, you know. Uh, and I remember thinking at one time, you know, I did the calculation that, you know, if you sleep eight hours a day, by the time you're 60, you've been asleep for 20 years, you know. And I, and I would think, ah, oh, you know, we need to be more productive. We need to be more, all this sort of stuff. Now I realize... Now, the 20 years of sleep was probably well, well needed, right? Uh, there are things that you need to do. There are rest that needs to happen. Uh, this is the way that God set up the week. Uh, he set it up for there was a, a day of rest. And God shows that it's important and it's important in our lives. Just quickly, Elijah's discouragement or Elijah's depression, I would say came from four things in this passage. If you look at it, verse 3, it's fear. Fear brought him. Second, failure. He thought he failed. Uh, third was fatigue. He was just wore out. Slept for two days, ate, you know, and then had to get away. Right? Fatigue. 
And last, which we'll see in verse 10, is he felt alone. He felt that he was the only one doing anything. He felt like he was the only one that cared. He was the only one trying to serve God. He was the only one uh, trying to do these things. Look at verse 9. Uh, verse 9 of chapter 19. He says, and, it came, and he came thither into a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him. This is when he's in Horeb. This is when he's getting away. Uh, and said unto him, what dost thou hear, Elijah? And he said, I am very jealous for the Lord of hosts and for the children of Israel. Uh, have forsaken thy covenant and thrown down thine altar and slain thy prophets with the Lord and I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. We see in verse later on in the passage that he wraps that mantle around his face. I can't help but think of Elisha out there in Horeb in the cave, you know, wrapped up in a blanket. Can you picture him? I mean, this mighty man of God that had called down fire from heaven and, and then slew all the problems. Now he's in a cave. He's wrapped up wanting to be like left alone, not see anybody, not hear anything. Uh, uh, he says, uh, I even I. You know, what, you know what Elisha has? He has the I even I disease. Like, I'm the only one out there, right? I'm the only one doing anything. I'm the only one that cares. I'm the only one that thinks about this stuff. Lord, I work so hard for you. That's what Elijah is saying. I have done so much for you, Lord. I and you can almost hear the Lord, although the Lord's comforting him and helping him, you can almost hear the Lord say, Wow, Elisha, thank you, right? I don't know what I'd do without you, right? Uh, and he says it again in verse 14. I'm the only one. I'm the only one, God, that cares about you. I'm the only one that serves you. There's nobody else in Israel that loves you and wants to serve you. They're all given over to Baal. What's the Lord say? Look at verse 18. The Lord says to Elisha, Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel. All whose knee have not bowed unto Baal, or neither mouth have kissed them. You know what I find that's interesting here? Uh, Elijah wasn't the only one. There was 7,000 out there that still served God and loved God. But here's what I find that's interesting, is the Lord knew everyone. Now we know that. We know that the Lord knows who's His, and we know the Lord knows who loves Him. But the Lord knew exactly how many are with Him. The Lord knew exactly how many are on His side. The Lord knew exactly how many their heart had not gone toward Baal. And He said, no, Elijah, actually, there's 7,000 out there that still love me. There's 7,000 out there that still uh, follow me um, that, uh, are, that are uh, my people. But you know what helps the prophet eventually? What helps him get out of this uh, hole that he's in or rut that he's in this depression that he's in the Lord tells him in verse 11 follow with me in verse 11 of chapter 19 and he said go forth and stand in the mount before the Lord and behold the Lord passed by and a great strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord but the Lord was not in the wind and after the wind an earthquake the Lord was not in the earthquake and after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Amen. A still, small voice. Sometimes we think it's going to be in this big, you know, thunder and crash. It's the prophet after him, Elisha, right? That when Naaman comes to him to be healed from his 
leprosy, and he doesn't even come out to see this great general of, this, of the Assyrian army. He says, go down to the Jordan dip seven times. And what did uh, Naaman say? He went away in wrath. He said, I thought for sure he'd come and strike his hand over this place and do some, you know, wonderful miracle. Uh, he said, no, just go dip seven times. Sometimes what we think is God's going to speak through, sometimes it's that still, small voice. That, just that quiet prompting of the Holy Spirit, the subtle uh, teaching of God's Word that gives us the strength, that gives us the, uh, the sustenance, the ability to see Him and to follow Him uh, closely. He says, not only do you need to sleep, you need to eat, you need to get away, but let me just say this. Why did He? It's not, it's not necessarily getting the rest that you need and getting all those things that you need that is the trick. It's we do those things so that we can hear. Sometimes we get the rest we need. Sometimes we get the things that we need. We get the uh, uh, relaxing that we need so that we can hear. In other words, we get away so that we can hear from the Lord. We get away so that our, our soul is quieted down and our ear is attentive and we say, okay, Lord, I can hear you whisper now. If you whispered, if there was a still small voice, Lord, I could hear it. I could, I could know. You know what that still small voice does for us? It gets us back into perspective. That's what helps Elijah, is when he gets back into perspective of what was going wrong, that Jezebel can't touch him if God doesn't want him to. Uh, Israel's heart turning back to God is not Elijah's problem. That's God's problem. Elijah's having to get back into perspective was, okay, I'm not serving Israel, I'm serving God. I'm not, he had to get the right perspective. And when you get the right perspective sometimes, that will help on how we feel about the situation or how we think about the situation. Uh, getting quiet enough to get into the presence of God, to hear that still small voice, that prompting, that leading of the Holy Spirit, that guiding of the Holy Sometimes that's all you need. It's just His little voice, His voice to, to speak to. I remember uh, sometimes people say to me, uh, you know, that I'm busy. And uh, sometimes I am. But th- here's the thing. There was a time in my life where I was a lot busier. But people didn't see it then. Like now sometimes people will say, oh, you're busy because there's a couple things that you're doing. But and when Rebecca and I first got married and we first had Shaylin and Owen, I remember I was uh, teaching three Bible studies a week. I was uh, teaching a Sunday school class. I was a full-time Bible Institute student. I had a full-time job and a new family. And I remember all these things were hitting me all at once. And it was like, it was like overwhelming. And I was, at one point, I was overwhelmed. And I remember this specifically. I went out to a place uh, uh, to get away, and I began to pray and talk to the Lord. And I, here was what my prayer was. Which one of these things, Lord, do you want me to quit? I've got to stop one of these things. I can't keep doing them all. I've got to pick one or two of these things that I've got to get away from. And I sat out there and I prayed and talked to the Lord. And it was like he spoke to me in still small voice. And this is what he said. I don't want you to quit any of And it was just him speaking to me. It was just him telling me that. That gave me the strength to keep going. Because I felt like he's in it. 
this is what he wants me to do. And from that moment, for a while, not saying I didn't have other times of being overwhelmed, but for just that little moment, I felt like this is what the Lord wants me to do. And if the Lord wants me to do it, then I can do it. The Lord can strengthen me. It's sometimes just here. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have to put things off. Sometimes you do have to set things aside and all those things. That's not what I'm saying. My point with that illustration is just sometimes hearing from the Lord that you are where you need to be, that you're doing what you need to do, that you are in the place that He wants you to be, just that is enough to say, oh, all right, I can do it. If God's in it, if God tells me, if God's showing me, I can do it. Continue. It'll help with that turmoil in your mind, that being overwhelmed. Let me just say this. Prophets get overwhelmed. <laughs> Prophets get down. They get workers, uh, get business people, mothers, teenagers get overwhelmed. David himself said, uh, my soul is also sore vexed. I read in Psalms where it says, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Uh, can I say that sometimes people get overwhelmed, we get cast down, we get depressed, we get uh, in darkness, but you can handle it. You can handle it. Here's the, here's the thing, is with the Lord, you can handle whatever He calls us to go through. Whatever He, you know, you, you may say, remove this from me, and he, he may reply, my grace is sufficient for you. That might mean that uh, uh, we're going to have to continue in it for a little while. But He can and He will help you to handle it. You can face it. You know, it wasn't that Elijah needed less to do. Elijah just needed to hear the voice of the Lord. He just needed to hear from God. It wasn't that Elijah needed to be demoted. Uh, It was that he just needed to hear from God. Sometimes I think we just need to hear from God. If you're overwhelmed... Go to him humbly and just tell him, I'm overwhelmed. My soul is it's, it's vexed. I'm in trouble. My mind is in trouble. God, help me. Uh, show me. Lead me. Guide me. You know what happens as soon as uh, this whole scenario after the still small voice? God sends Elijah some help. Verse 19 of chapter 19. So he departed from thence and found Elisha the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. And with the twelfth, Elisha passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And if you read the end of verse 21, it says, Then arose he and went after Elijah, and look at what it says. And he ministered unto him. Elisha began to minister to Elijah. You say, uh, how did he minister? I find I, I was reading in Second Kings where the sons of the prophets were trying to figure out who Elisha was after Elijah had been raptured up and been taken up. And you know what they said? Well, isn't that the boy? Isn't that the kid that uh, poured water on Elijah's hands? In other words, he just ministered. He just helped Elijah with whatever Elijah needed. You know, he was uh, just that guy that came alongside Elisha was who became a great prophet of God. But he just was there to help out Elijah. You know what the Lord will do sometimes uh, when you need it the most? Is uh, after you've gone through a few things, he might just send someone along to help. He might just send someone along to minister to you, to help you. Just like uh, when we studied Naomi and Ruth, right? 
uh, he sent Ruth to help Naomi, to minister to Naomi when she needed it the most. He says, uh, I'll, uh, I'll give you some help, Elisha. I'll send you Elisha. But then he says this, get back to work. At the end of it, now this is where I come in. I like this kind of part. He says, get back to work. Uh, by the end of this passage, verse 16 and 17, you know what the Lord does after he, the still small voice, after all his stuff? He gives Elijah a list of things to do. He starts telling him, okay, now I've spoke to you, now all these things, now I'm going to do this, this, that. Uh, go on and continue to do what you're doing. At the end of this, at the end of hearing the still small voice, after, at the end of being overwhelmed and, and, and oppressed and depressed, he says, uh, I still have more things to do. You know what? After this bout of, of suicidal and, and depression that Elijah went through, he was used of the Lord in a great way. For the rest of his life, until he was caught up, uh, raptured up, picture of the, of, the, of the believer, he trained Elisha. He, uh, you see him teaching the sons of the prophets the ways of God. You see that throughout the scripture. He, uh, he anoints the next king of Syria. He anoints the next king of Israel. He calls fire down from heaven. Uh, he eventually does tell Ahab about God, who eventually does humble himself and fasted and laid in sackcloth and ashes. And the Bible says, and he went softly. Uh, eventually, in Elijah's life, he did see some progress. He did see God work. And he did see all these things. But sometimes, uh, when we go through these uh, darknesses and these uh, hard times and depression, we think, oh, am I, am I strange? Is something different from me? Uh, no. Uh, probably what we need in this moment could be is we need to hear from the Lord. We need His still, small voice. And sometimes we have to take a rest. Sometimes we have to take a break. Sometimes we have to get away in order to hear from the Lord. But then, after that, we get to get back busy serving God. Serving God until He calls us home. We're going to close with this uh, verse in Matthew 24 and verse 46. It says this, Blessed is the servant whom the Lord, uh, whom his Lord, when he cometh, findeth, so do it. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website, or you could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. Feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.